If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Our guest today is Sue Green. Sue was brought up on a farm in New Zealand where horses played an important role. And like many young girls, she went to Pony Club and had a dream of greatness. She took this and travelled the world on a quest for greatness and was working in and out of many stables and yards in a period of 10 years. Met a lot of very inspirational people, rode a lot of very different horses and ended up working as a theatre nurse, a veterinary nurse at Randwick Equine Centre. How are you, Sue? Oh, good. Thank you, Glennis. Thanks for having me. That's okay. Good to talk to you, Sue. Now, have you got an inspirational quote for us? Yes, yes. I'm sure my children would say that they've heard this more than once, and that's just to finish on a good note. It's a simple quote, but it's worked really, really well with horses and students. As I feel it's always important to have a positive outcome at the end of a session. It makes for happy partnerships. And it keeps people grounded in the fact that that tiny steps work towards achieving a goal. And you always remember the last bit, don't you? You know, if you finish on a good note, that's the main thing you remember. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now you, we were brought up on a farm in New Zealand, okay, and um, obviously had a lot of horses around you. But just tell us your very first memories of a horse. How old were you and, and what happened? Oh, yes. Well, it was a working for, um, beef and dairy um, unit. And so Dad was always out um, on the horse mustering stock. Um, our property was very steep and so we couldn't use motorbikes or tractors. So my very first memories were really asking him, you know, where, which way was he going and could I come really? So Did he let you come? He did. He did. Very early on, of course, we were encouraged to learn to ride, all of us. Um, do I have a brother and a sister? And, uh, you know, this started out with an old white horse we had, quiet horse, and we were plonked on with a sheepskin and a sur single, and off we were sent. And then we progressed to a pilch and clogs, which is a flat saddle. And this was all in the, the, with the reason of um, helping us gain a good seat, according to my father. So that's how we started to learn to ride. Okay, okay. All right, now you grew up with horses, you're in Pony Club, and then decided to travel the world. How old were you when you decided to travel the world? 
Well, I was sent to boarding school at 12 and there's nothing like going away and not having your passion to keep you really interested. So it was just nothing nothing entered my mind. That was what I was um, wanting to do. So I left school and got a, a job in a yard with some people in near Auckland, um, a guy called Lockie Richards, and he had with him two people, Kate Mahani and Peter Taylor, and uh, so I learned an awful lot with them. Also had to go home, my mum was not well and help on the farm and so I was sort of um, 18 at this stage and uh, I was offered a, the chance to ride a lovely big chestnut horse from a dear friend of mine and I was then selected to ride at the Masterton 1980 Horse Trials Pony Club yep, Championships. Yep. That was my first introduction to really chasing eventing. And that's how I actually came about, a bit of a long story, because the coach of the team was David Murdoch and he had a partner in, in America, Sam mm-hmm. Campbell, a show jumper, and they offered me a job to, tra- to work with them. And that was the first time I left New Zealand and I was, I think I just turned 20. Okay, and great that you went straight into a job. You didn't have to sort of go over and start looking, although a lot of people will organise that before they go, and that was really good and on recommendation. How long were you there, and where did you go after that? Um, I stayed with – it was uh, in – Old Wet in New Jersey, just out of New York. And I stayed there for a few months and was exposed to a lot of horse shows up in New York. It was a fantastic opportunity for a country girl to learn the sometimes not so good things and good things to do with showing. Because my passion was eventing, I went to a couple of events with one of the ladies at the yard and she introduced me to a guy called Bruce Davidson, who at the time was world champion mm-hmm. and to cut a long story short he offered me a position to work and so I moved down to Unionville in Pennsylvania and worked with him for and I was there for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah I was going to say um, Bruce Davidson here's on that United States equestrian team I'm sure a lot of listeners would have heard about Bruce and how well he's done yeah. What about you tell us from each person, one lesson that you learned. What's one thing that you learned when you were working for Lockie Richards? Oh, goodness, that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, um, I, at the time, had a big Cleveland Bay horse, and at that time, my, my riding skills were not good, and you know he was very good on the flats, and so he helped me an awful lot with trying to collect. And, but what's and, one thing he actually told you, right? Because... Learning how to collect, that's very broad. Something specific that you can say, yep, I learned that from him. I remember him saying that in a lesson or in something that he that he did. Yes, it was all about rhythm. I think mm-hmm. rhythm is one word I okay, can say good, that he good. said. And I think that goes through from a lot of the people I've had lessons with as well. But, mm. um, but yeah, that was one thing that I remember from good. his lessons. What about one thing from Bruce, Bruce Davidson? Oh, I have to be quite honest. Mm. Bruce didn't teach us. Oh, didn't he? No, there's a reason for this. Is his way of teaching was we observed him riding. Okay. And so that was a whole different he rode with us always. Mm-hmm. He did have the odd thing to say, yep. but one thing that I uh, took away from Bruce is that to be very observant. Okay. Um, good. Which has actually good. gone straight away through into my coaching now. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And what about the show jumper that you went to, the first one you went to in the US? Is there a lesson from him, just something you remember? 
Well, I think I was more a, a working pupil and, and there wasn't an awful lot of teaching involved, but the exposure I had to the shows and and really I think what I took away and learnt from both those guys was the preparation involved in keeping a horse at a high level mm-hmm. with competition. Yep. Yeah, that's what I took away from the, those from those yes. two guys. Okay, yeah, I'll keep going. <laughs> it's okay. interesting because, you know, telling us it's not just where you went because, you know, you can pick up a travel magazine and flick through the pages, but it's the lessons that you're learning as you go and work in these yards and work with different people. You know, I think that's something that you can tell the listeners about and something they get out of it, you know, because I think that's it's really important. And everyone's got a different perspective. Someone else will go and work for Bruce Davidson or Lockie or someone and say, I got a different lesson. You know, that was really something else that drummed into me. So your perspective is very important. Yes. I mean, the time I spent with Bruce, which was a year and a half, was terribly inspirational. It was what I wanted to do. In the yard itself, they had working students and they were called gnomes, which is a funny term, but that's just what we knew ourselves as. I was slightly different. I had the opportunity to be there in a different capacity because the other students had their own horses and Mm -hmm. Bruce allowed me to ride some of his younger horses and compete at lower levels. And then the exposure that I had to the and three day venting was different in that stage. It it had roads and tracks and sure. people chase and and look as a young little thing wanting to you know take on the world. It, it couldn't have been better to be exposed just to be amongst it, just mm-hmm. to be out there and amongst it. And you know, as I said, everyone that was around us was as passionate as we all were, as I was wanting yep. to learn. So yep, no good. All right. Now, did you only work in the US? Did you go anywhere else? Yes, no. I then went on. I had a trip home. Um, as I say, my mum wasn't well, but then we went back to England and had, uh, you know, another little job south of London in an event and yard, did a few horse uh, hunter trials. Mm-hmm. And um, So tell me again, I'm, I'm going to interrupt again, but a, a lesson that you would have learned, something you picked up there. Look, that was a life skill lesson. Mm-hmm. That was a very um, not so much a horse horse related. All the travelling I did, there was horses, but there was life skills involved. Sure. Things didn't go overly well, and as I said, it was a learning thing for me. And you know, as a twenty one year old, twenty two year old on my own, you know, you just learned different things. Mm-hmm. That then, because it hadn't gone so well, I was lucky enough, and I changed my whole tactic and borrowed some money from home and bought a Irish thoroughbred. Mm-hmm. I set on a, a quest to thought, if I can't beat them, I'll join them. <laughs> so I actually um, got a horse and a kind lady down near Salisbury and Wiltshire allowed me to live in a caravan and my horse lived in a little tin shed outside and we shared a Land Rover and, and I was able to do some eventing um, at lower levels with him and it was a whole new world. It was something I was doing for myself mm-hmm. and I learned a lot that way too. I learned that it's it's a tough world. It's a tough world out there in the horse world mm-hmm. and so that's, that's what I did then and then I went on to change my view again. I sold that horse as, and sold him as a hunter and, and the gentleman that bought him loved him to death but mm-hmm. I you know, on my own over there just was very, very difficult. So 
I then set about um, gaining my British Horse Society qualifications mm-hmm. and went through and did my um, British Horse Society system instructors and then was worked in a, in a great big yard near Andover in a place called Chattis Hill Riding Stables or Equestrian Centre. And that was a British Horse Society registered establishment where girls came to do their qualifications. And I worked there as one of the instructors and helped along, you know, helped and sort of mould new people to, to learn their, what they were passionate about. So when you were there, you know, just in the yard, was that like a different system? Did you learn things, even just horse management systems and management, you know, like business management, anything else, you know, like along those lines? Well, it's been a long time that I have been out, you know, away from England. So, mm. but while I was there and amongst that, you know, we, we I went on and managed the yard and when you're working towards these qualifications, there's certain things you need to do, and a lot of and that was touched on. Obviously, the teaching was one side of it, but well, there was other sides as well. So, the management side and all sorts of other things come into it, and that was just a it opened a whole different door or, or avenue to my learning. I was able to you know see things in a different way from a management point of view. What, what's something that and, you did see in a different way? Look, well, I had never had really anything to do with business and, mm-hmm. and being in a position, well, I was given a position of authority as far as managing it. And so it became apparent how important, you know, the business side of it was really. And, um, yeah, it just, uh, and managing people, like there was a, a, a lot of girls that came through. And, you know, so really from my point of view as an instructor, being able to, work out time management and sort of looking into managing groups and things like that. It was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was a really important part of that. Do you mean managing groups within a lesson or managing people as a group? Well, managing people as a group. Yep, we, okay. Uh, and also in lessons as well mm-hmm. because we were a lot of girls all living together and uh, the age limit was from, you know, mid-20s right down to sort of probably 16. And we had uh, obviously several really good people that were there as well, instructors. And there was one lady called Sheena Kazuba-Kazupska. Mm-hmm. She was there and she was a dressage lady who I was very fortunate to be able to ride one of her good horses. And just all the opportunities, there's been little snippets of being able to really enjoy and and embrace, you know, where you are and what you're able to do. So was Sheena's horse a dressage horse or an eventing horse? It was a dressage horse, okay, yes. Good, it was a dressage good. horse. So. Yep, yep. But the other thing with managing, talk about managing groups, we, we, we put on shows, like uh, we put on, like sort of we did different things where we put on, you know, and the horses were involved. It was like a, a production and it was, was a fantastic experience to be, mm-hmm. be involved in that. So in a production, you mean like a stage production with horses or shows, like competitions? Well, no, not a. Sh- it wasn't really a competition. Yeah. It was more a. We did a musical sort of yes. thing with a production, and yep. then the, the all the parents of the girls came and watched. Oh, okay. And okay. It, we yep. dressed up, and it was a whole different take and on it. But it was very, very exciting at the time, and mm-hmm. you know, I think we all, as a group of people, all gelled together, and you know, it worked really well. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay. And from there, did you come home from there or? 
Now, I actually met a couple of girls who come to have lessons that were from America. They were from Tennessee, yep. Knoxville, Tennessee. And I went back to America with them. They needed, they wanted help setting up a their establishment. And um, I spent quite a bit of time in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, and had a whole different experience there with being exposed to Tennessee walking horses and all sorts of other different things, hillbillies and been lots of different chapters I've had in my life and mm-hmm. and taken away different things from them all. Okay, so one thing then that, that you took away from Tennessee? Um, more being able to adapt, adapt yeah. to different, um, uh, you know, like having an open mind with the horse world, mm-hmm. that there are mm-hmm. different ways. That's important, yep. Yes, and being able to adapt and, you know, take on board, and that's actually helped me a lot, be able to... You know, to and I sort of say this to a lot of people is that, you know, you can learn something from anyone and really it's very important to be able to listen and and try and take something away from any experience you have with horses, really. No, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Now from there, sort of getting you to go through and get you to put your thinking cap on too. I yeah. know. Oh, I'm just <laughs> trying to think. I actually spent some about that time in a point-to-point yard is that in the US? No, that was in back in England. I went yep. back to England yep. because I had met somebody and so I was over there and that was the you know, obviously the drive to being there that long and making it all work mm. around mm. the horses for me. Yep. And uh and so that yeah, the time I had in a point to point yard was a whole different chapter. It was riding short, it was riding track work and from someone who you know, where you're told to ride long and keep your legs long and, and, and you know, for dressage and to ride short, it was, um, it was you know, exhilarating to be able to, to be going out of control almost and, you know, it was a whole different um A lot, lot of adrenaline uh, for sure. Yes, yeah, a yeah. lot of adrenaline and the same thing, learning different things, mm-hmm. you know, sort of uh, fitness, being able to understand the fitness involved in different avenues in the horse world really. During all this time, it's very, very intense what you do as a, a horse person. And I found that um, all these different little chapters I had where I threw everything into it, I'd need to have a bit of a break between. Mm-hmm. So really, it, it helps with the journey of the whole the mm. whole 10 years. But one of the, the breaks I had from the horse industry just to having a break was I, I spent some time in Switzerland as a, a chalet girl in a ski resort and mm-hmm. that's where I met my husband who was an Australian mm-hmm. hence how I'm here and how we you know been able to touch base and talk now yep yep so that was pretty much one of the breaks I had away and uh, met him and then we came back to Sydney Australia and that was sort of the end of my 10-year trip. Well, I was going to say, because it's not really, because, you know, you, you're still away from New Zealand and then you're working at the Rambic Equine Centre, weren't you? Oh, yes. Well, that's, I mean, it's my overseas, my big mm-hmm. overseas trip, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I came back to Australia and it was very hard. Even my husband had been away um, for, to settle back down into something again. And uh, we got married and set about having a family. But I still had the desire to always find a horse or something. I even one day was in the, in the supermarket checkout talking to somebody who said she had a horse and the next minute I was giving her a lesson. So there's always a way 
it doesn't matter where you are. I was in the middle of Switzerland up in the mountains and found someone who had a horse so I could go for a ride. You, <laughs> if you want to, you can always find a horse somewhere. Sure. So sure. Um, while I was in Sydney with the kids little, um, well, actually before the kids, just before the children were born, I'd done a bit of teaching up in uh, Terry Hills and Samurai Park and mm-hmm. then in the Grange and the showgrounds. And then I set about doing my veterinary nurse qualifications and uh, was lucky enough to get a job as a vet nurse at Ramwick Equine Centre and this was fantastic. I just loved it. It was a whole different um, perspective on horses. It was not, um, you know, you were on the ground, you weren't on top and all the the things that went with any ailment. Um, And yes, and I was lucky enough to work with some great people there, Percy Sykes, Treve and Jonathan Lumsden. And I was able to work my way up through, you know, as a vet nurse to becoming a theatre nurse Mm -hmm. and exposed to arthroscopies and scintigraphy and, you know, laryngotomy, all the things, you know, really great surgeries Mm -hmm. that go along with horses and keeping them fit in the racing world. Good. Now, I've got to ask you then, because, you know, you sort of had horses when you were young and you've talked all the way through about adapting from one thing to another to another and being open-minded. What sort of core skills or character traits would you say to someone who's interested in working in the horse industry? Oh, goodness. Um you know, like I've thought long and hard about this question, actually, because it, like my journey was very different from a lot of other people, I guess, and, and how other people are doing it. But I really believe that you need to be totally passionate about what you're doing mm-hmm. and you have to be really, really dedicated to hard work. You know, and you've got to have be of strong character because it's not easy out there. It really isn't. And... Um, and so in that case, you know, you just have to be terribly positive because working with animals and people, sometimes it's, it's hard, it's challenging, but, um, but you know, it, it's terribly rewarding also. They really do fill up your life and, um, and you know, I wouldn't change a thing of anything that I've done, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say the best thing, but you've sort of talked about, about the horses being rewarding and filling up your life. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Well, you know, as I said, just enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. If you are actually embracing a horse career, you might think you're going one way, and I did. I was off on a quest for greatness to ride at the Olympics, and, you know, and it took me all over the place, yep. and yep. I had all sorts of adventures. But, you know, just enjoy the journey it takes mm-hmm. you on because it doesn't always mean that you end up where you want to be. But, you know, as I said, yep. I wouldn't change a thing. Good. What about people who've influenced you? You've already talked about so many. Lockie Richards, Bruce, that you like you you talked yeah, yeah. Is there one particular person or it's been quite a few? You've got bits from everything. Oh look mm. I find it's hard to answer because there's been so many. Mm-hmm. I think Bruce yes definitely had had a it was right at a certain time in my life where that's all I wanted to do and being a little country bumpkin in America was the best of the best, uh, you know, he did inspire me. Mm-hmm. To, but there's been too many to mention, really, and yep. they've all had an influence on my life. What about horses? Oh, yeah, same thing. As I said, the chestnut that took me to the New Zealand Pony Club Championships, 
from him to the horses that we now have with my children. Like, you know, I guess it's the horse that you were actually um, involved and engaged with right at this moment, I think, you know, that um, is influencing you to the next step in your horse career, really, whether it be teaching someone or training someone or so this, not one in particular. Yep, yep. What do you think your proudest moment's been? It was a at the New Zealand Championships or another time or a mixture? This might sound, I don't know how this will be taken. My proudest moment was the day that I was able to go riding with my two children. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. As silly as that sounds as a mother, being able to impart my knowledge and have my two young kids at the stage of being able to ride out with them that was one of my you know, most proudest moments. I remember ringing my dad and saying, I can die happy now. I've been able to pass my mm. love and passion on to my children. That's great. Really good. Now, coming back to the other end of the scale, because you know, you've know you got that love and you've got that passion and it's just taken you all over the world. What do you think your biggest challenge has been on your way to where you are now? Look, you know, there's lots of challenges in the, in, in pursuing a horse career. I myself just embraced that and and took it as as that's what I wanted to do. Something that came out of the woodwork that I didn't know was going to happen was five years ago I found out I had breast cancer. Mm. And really in that case with a with a family and kids I did find that a challenge. No mm. one would know because I never let it define me. But you just learn a lot about yourself and, you know, it's all good. Everything's good, but you learn about yourself and you learn that you just have to take um, one step in front of the other and one day at a time and, you know, it makes you grow and learn about yourself, really. Mm. Mm. Okay. How are you now, though? Oh, good. Yes, yeah. uh, all good. Um so, you know, trips to the specialist and everything's in, in a good spot. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. positive about it all. That's okay. If someone else is in your situation that you were in, what would you say to them? Don't think too far ahead. Mm-hmm. I think you can't let it, as I say, in, envelop you. You have to just take one little step and, and don't think too far ahead and get to the next stage and, and just otherwise it just swamps your life. And so I just think try not to to let let it get to you too much and just take tiny, tiny steps. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I would advise somebody in that situation. Okay. All right. Thinking about you as a coach now, What's a common fault you see with your riders or your horses, trainers, handlers? Can you talk a bit about that? And also the common fault, but what you do to fix it. Okay. One thing, without getting into too much detail, that I hold quite close you know, and find passionate is the communication and relationship between horse and rider. You know, I, I think that um, sometimes we take it for granted. I think that... Uh, a lot of the time when people are riding, they're just passengers and that's okay. But we really need to, um, and there's lots of ways to do this. And, and you've probably talked to many, many people with different ways of being able to communicate with a horse. But my message is to talk to the rider or the person dealing with the horses that they need to be aware of making sure that their instructions are clear and that the horse understands. Because I think, um, and you have to be aware of what you're asking also, just mm-hmm. so that you don't create problems. 
Yeah, okay. No, I think that's a good one. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. What about a book, Sue? Have you got a book that you can recommend for our listeners? Oh, lots of books out there. Um, I love horse books. I've got a library and they're fantastic. But um, one that stands out is, um, and I'm sure lots of people have said this, is Scented Riding by Shelley Swift. Mm -hmm. It's just a a classic interpretation of riding. Um, There's many, many books out there, but that's one that I would recommend. And certainly been one of our popular books too, I guess. You know, we've we've got all our books on the website. All right. Now, Sue, what are you looking forward to at the moment? You've got something exciting on the horizon that you're doing at the moment? Yeah, yeah so we are. My, my husband and I, well, the family, um, children are grown up, not only grown up and gone now, but uh, my husband and I moved to a property on the south coast um, mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, and we're working towards uh, setting up a, an equestrian establishment at the moment. Um, tiny steps and, you know, he's working madly fencing and just to try and get, you know, something something that we can do together going forward. Yep. So, yes, it's exciting to be thinking about that. Good, good. Before we go, Sue, can you talk about your philosophy with horses? Just summarise it and, um, you know, so it's sort of your message to go out to our listeners. Yes, well, going back to the tip that I gave for riders, I think uh, never take for granted the fact you have a privilege to work with such a great intelligence animal um, and that's where the communication comes into play, that you need to be very clear with your instructions and be mindful of what you're actually asking from the horse. And it goes back also to everything I've said about tiny steps and finishing with a positive note. Yep, yep. No, that's good, Sue. Sue, if people would like to contact you, what's the best way? Look through the uh, coaches uh, register. That all my details are there. Okay, so that's got your phone number and your email. Yes. Yeah, and those details will be on horsechats.com slash Sue Green or else just go to horsechats.com and search for Sue and you'll find those details. Okay, that's great. Thank you, Glenn. Brilliant. All right, thanks very much, Sue. Really enjoyed your journeys. It sort of brings me back. I did a bit of travelling, but I don't think I was away 10 years. I uh, was away a little bit less than that. So great talking to you and um, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for letting me share my story with you. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.